Washington football team fans, welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. Hold on, let me let me set the tone to the podcast off right. I'm back. I'm back. Guys, Washington defeats the Carolina Panthers to a score of 27 to 21. Give me one second. Give me one second. I don't know if you guys can hear that on my podcast family, but I know my YouTube family just saw me take a sip of that cup, and that's a visual representation of me actually drinking the Kool-Aid. Guys, every time they try to every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back like a chinky song. God, as I just mentioned, the Washington football team defeated the Carolina Panthers 27-21. I just talked about my YouTube family. So if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Because remember, we're using Bleeding BNG as your number one Washington football team source for everything Washington football team. But now to this game recap. So you know, as I always do, I leave you guys with a timestamp. So today is actually um, Monday afternoon, um, Monday, November 22nd, the day after the Washington football team uh, pulled off a, a miraculous win in Charlotte against the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, we're going to give you the breakdown of the offense first. Then you're going to give you the breakdown of the defense. And then we're going to give you our overall game analysis as we do for every, every, every game recap. So to start out with Taylor Heineke, my God, my God, God, my guy, you bought out. Taylor Heineke bought out in his return back to to Carolina. So as you guys saw at the, at the beginning of the of the podcast, I said I wanted to set the mood to the podcast off right by saying, you know, I'm back, I'm back, I like Cam Newton style. Well, Taylor Heineke and Ron Rivera announced that they were back in Charlotte and they made their presence known in the game yesterday. So I said, as I was stating, Taylor Heineke's stat line reads is 16 of 22 for 206 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and also 29 rushing yards. And guys, outside of maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playoff game last year, season, I think that this may have been Taylor's greatest game as a Washington football team player. And I think that I might put this one at the top because, you know, while the storyline was great against the uh, coming in and, you know, the wild card round or the super wild card round last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, essentially coming up off the couch, you know, not knowing that you're going to start and, you know, grabbing that opportunity by the horn like, like he did. It was a and it was a great story. But, you know, the football brain in me and the football mind in me is like, you know, Tampa Bay, they were missing Devin White. They didn't necessarily prepare to face Taylor Heineke and things like that. They didn't scheme up for Taylor Heineke and things like that. But up until yesterday, you know, that was, you know, his greatest performance in my eyes. But yesterday might have took the cake because this is, this is like I said, Taylor was coming home. As much as, you know, the media wanted to hype this up as, you know, Cam's return to Charlotte and, you know, him bringing the, at the reins and the helms of, you know, being the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers again. This was just just as important of a game for Taylor Heineke and Ron Rivera. And it showed. It showed. Taylor balled out. Taylor balled out. And Taylor showed that for for this season at least, he's our quarterback. So you'll not, you won't hear me screaming for Kyle Allen anymore or anything like that. Because Taylor Heineke showed that he deserves to ride out this season at least. Um, this 2021 season as the Washington football team started quarterback. quarterback. And guys, Taylor, and, and, and it seems to me that he's getting more comfortable 
in, in the system, um, and and it's kind of surprising to me because he's been, you know, Taylor's been around since 2015, and he's been around Scott Turner since 2015. So this system isn't necessarily new to him, but I think with him getting the game experience and getting these live game reps, you can see that the game is slowing down for him. He's able to extend plays longer using his legs and things like that, and also using his mental part of his game, knowing where to go. Though having that sack clock in your head and knowing when to get rid of the balls. Taylor 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 Heineke balled out yesterday. Taylor Heineke balled out yesterday. And there were two moments that actually stuck out to me where I was like, yeah, this guy's improving. This guy's improving. And the first one was the tight window throw that, that he threw to Cam Sims for our first touchdown of the day. Boy, was that a was that a laser for Taylor Heineke. By no means was it a Josh Allen or a prime Big Ben strong arm throw, but it was a it was a dime in a tight window for Taylor Heineke. Something that we haven't been accustomed to seeing all season. You know, I, I've been quoted as saying, you know, Taylor has a wet noodle arm, but he did not show that he showed everything but on that pass. The the pass to Cam Cam Sims, who should be playing more. Thank you, Ron. Thank you guys. For giving Cam Sims the opportunity, especially in the red zone on that end-breaking route, um, Taylor was able to fit it in between of the um, the safety and the corner, um, and it was a, it was a tremendous ball putting it right on Cam's chest where he didn't really have to extend much, and he caught it in stride and you know made his way into the end zone. It was a it was a great ball, and then uh, the the play that everybody is talking about the the Patrick Mahomes, the Aaron Rodgers, the Brett Favre X scrambled to the left to extend the play. Um, hold on to the ball while he's getting draped on by another defensive lineman. The fourth down conversion to John Bates. That was, and that's when I knew that we were going to win this game. That Taylor Heineke was going to do everything in his might to make sure that he willed us to win that game. That's what I knew. It was an amazing play. And, and it's not something that we that, that that is new for Taylor. It's not something that is new for Taylor. If you guys remember the game winning touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons, this is the guy that scrambled all the way to down there on his own sideline and threw the ball back into the middle. And it's just it's 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 showing me the moxie that he's starting to exude as you know he gets more live game reps and it's 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 a pleasure to see. It's it's a pleasure to see because we haven't really seen a quarterback develop um, um over the course of a season. You know, I do believe that you know Kirk developed while he was with us, but that was over the course of a few years where he actually became you know the decent or you know upper echelon quarterback that that he may be that a lot of us may consider him to be now. But he, I don't, I don't think he had this this steady, steady increase um, and steady development um, rise over the course of a season like Taylor is exuding or ex, um, exhibiting over the course of this season. Taylor is balling out to this point. Um, you know, he outplayed Tom Brady last week and he outplayed Cam Newton this week. And those, while those aren't, you know, the biggest of feats. Because, uh, you know, it is about a te the team win and, you know, it is about whether you win the game or not. Having your quarterback win that matchup is the most important matchup that you can win, regardless of any other position in the, in, in in on a on a roster. And, and Taylor is just proving that the a hey, this isn't this isn't too big for him. This isn't too big for him to say the least. Um, now, um, questions for, for the long term and things like that. I'm not really worried about those right now. I'm riding this high. 
I'm riding this high because, you know, these pre you, you guys heard me in my previous recap episodes. While I don't necessarily think that Taylor's a franchise quarterback, and I'm open to, you know, him proving me wrong, which he's done over the last two weeks. I do want to see that consistency so that by the end of the season, I'm like, yeah, we got our guy, and let's fix the rest of these roster. The, the, let's fix the rest of these holes in this roster because I, I still am in the belief that if you if you've got your guy, whether that's in the draft or whether that's trading for a guy like Deshaun Watson or whether that have being a guy like Russell Wilson or you know I know hopes and prayers guys, a guy like Aaron Rodgers coming to us in the off season, unless it's one of those guys, I, I, I'm in the I'm in the stance of I want to see Taylor Heineke. I, I, I don't want us to settle for another stopgap. I don't want us to settle for another Rich Ryan Fitzpatrick type or Marcus Mariota or Mitch Trubisky. I'd rather give Taylor Heineke the rooms at this point because he's shown me enough to, to, to like, like my stance was earlier in the season that I kind of backed off on. Taylor's a guy that you can win with when your roster isn't flawed and when your roster is playing up to its potential. Taylor Heineke at quarterback is a guy that um, you can win with. So kudos to Taylor, man. You, you bought out. Hey, you proved me wrong and continue to prove everybody wrong because I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. Um, and, oh, I, I forgot to mention this. The Washington football team got this win on my birthday. So shout out to the birthday dub. Shout out to the birthday dub. Shout out, shout out, shout out. I don't know what it is about this team. We know, I know we haven't been the greatest, but we always seem to do well um, right around my birthday or the week of my birthday, whether that be 2016, the night before my birthday when we blew out the Packers on Sunday Night Football, something that never happens. And, you know, we've been winning consistently on my birthday week for a while now. So I think that, you know, uh, 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 Jalen over here bleeding B and G. We got some good luck charm over here for the Washington football team. So hopefully we can play. No, hey, hopefully it's November twenty first for every Sunday from now here on out. We got all to the calendar to make it November twenty first every Sunday, and maybe we can go seventeen and our next season. Hopefully, hopefully. I think I think I found. I think I found it. I think I think I found the resolution. I think I found the resolution. But going on to the offense, the 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 um the running game was solid. The running game is solid, and yesterday showed me that Scott Turner is willing to 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 keep playing that smash mouth football. I was kind of while I was praising Scott Turner, and know, and you guys know that I've praised him almost all season. I was kind of hesitant. I was like, "Is last week an anomaly? Is he kind of just coming off the bye? You know, he has these fresh legs. Oh so yeah, we're gonna run the ball forty times this time, but is he gonna go back to getting really cute in the past game and things like that? And you know." Going back to airing it out and things like that? No, not at, not at all. Not at all. You know, he ran Antonio Gibson for 19 carries for 95 yards for a 5-yard per carry average. And this is a guy that sat out almost all um, the entire second quarter because of his fumble. Um, but what I will say is he ran like a madman after he came back after his benching. Like I just mentioned, he was benched after his fumble, which I believe was the right decision. But he ran like a madman. If you guys go back and watch that game, Antonio Gibson, I don't think he was burnt down by two guys in the second half. It was almost like he was consistently pushing a pile. He was consistently running through arm tackles. And that is what we need from Antonio Gibson, play in and play out week in and week out because he has the talent. He has the talent. 
And this is some of the stuff that we saw late in the season last year before his turf toe injury. You know, it, it was it was like the Dallas game, Thanksgiving. Speaking of Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving to everybody that's out there. Um, it is Thanksgiving week, so shout out to you guys. I hope you guys enjoy your holiday and things like that. But Antonio Gibson, we seen that, you know, his big game that he had in Thanksgiving last week. We were like, all right, he, he, he's, he's got it. He's got it. And unfortunately, he got hurt in the game after on the opening series against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But he's starting to show some of those, you know, some of the, some of those live game reps coming into handy um, and that experience coming into handy as a running back. But you do have to hold on to the ball, my guy. You do have to hold on to the ball, my guy. As I mentioned before, I know that this is only your second year playing running back, but I'm starting to think that maybe the coaches at Memphis were on to something, and maybe, maybe they knew that you had a tendency to letting the ball go and letting, letting you know, having having the, the butterfinger hands when you when you when you're toting the rock, and maybe that's why you weren't a full time running back at Memphis. Or it can work vice versa on the opposite, where you you aren't you aren't getting used to hit getting hit between the tackles. Because if you guys have noticed, all of Antonio Gibson's fumbles for the most part come in between the tackles, where he's holding the ball like a loaf of bread and not expecting defenders to be there. Yesterday, the ball basically got swiped at and got knocked out of his hand. But um, so so hopefully that's something that he can improve on. Maybe call up Tiki Barber in the offseason. I know Tiki Barber may not want to work with any NFC East rivals, but he don't even care about the Giants anyway. He he's looking to shade the Giants at any second anyway. He's been like that since he's retired. So I don't I don't see why he wouldn't help Antonio Gibson. But you gotta hold on to the ball. But other than that, like you, the the the. the uh, every other carry, every I, you brought out. Antonio Gibson played a very solid game, and as I read the stat line, nineteen for ninety-five for five yards at uh, carry. That's damn good football. That's damn good football. And you know I can't, you know I can't, I can't let y'all forget about my man. You know I can't let you forget about my man. I, I feel that it is my right as the as the president of the J D McKissick fan club, the guy that I told you he is what we wanted Chris Thompson to be, to point out that J D McKissick. Has contributed in every Washington football team win. A key, a key game trend to every Washington football team win. All four wins that we had is J.D. McKissick has been an uh, 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 impact contributor. Yesterday, he had seven carries for 4.6 yards and 6.6 yards per carry. And guess what? He sparked that run game. He sparked that run game. While I did say that Antonio Gibson had a pretty good game, he was he didn't exude any of the same pop that J.D. McKissick exuded until he got back in after he saw how J.D. McKissick was running. After he saw how J.D. McKissick was finding that gap, shooting through it and things like that. J.D. McKissick is a stud. J.D. McKissick is a stud. I honestly think he's the best third down running back in the league. And, like, I see a lot of people ready to, you know, I think this is the last year of his deal. They're ready to say goodbye to J.D. McKissick. You don't let go of guys who is the best at what they do at their position. We got to find a way to, we got to find a way to work something out with J.D. McKissick. We got to find a way. We got to find a way. This guy's too good, and this guy contributes, and this guy, this is a guy that doesn't complain, and all he does is ball out when you ask him to. All he does is ball out when you give him opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hey. Y'all know how I feel about J.D. McKissick. Shout out to J.D. McKissick, man. Baller, stud, everything all around. 
player, and that's my guy. Jared Patterson also had some big runs. Jared Patterson was really big in the fourth quarter. Um, that last run that um, the, on the last drive that ultimately resulted in the last Joey Sly field goal to give us the 27 uh, points. Uh, JD McK uh, Jared Patterson, and I think, and it's this holds true to what I believed early in the season. Jared Patterson is our most natural runner. You can tell while he's not the necessarily the most explosiveness, and I do think that there were some carries where he could have showed a little bit more juice. Got to work on that top end speed a little bit. He does. He he gets every yard that's available to him. He's not going to he's not going to miss any yards that's 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 blocked for any yard. I know there was a stat coming out recently in the NFL that like expected yards per how how the play was blocked and things like that. Jerry Jerry Patterson should fare high in that category because he's going to go where the route where the where the ball or where the run is supposed to go to every time, every time. And I think. Um, I think that that's the reason why I believe that's why he should have been in on that last play where you know Antonio Gibson ultimately ran out the uh, ran out of bounds, ultimately stopping the clock, and you know saving the Carolina Carolina Panthers about an extra forty seconds to try to make a comeback. That's one of those plays where you give it to Jared Patterson, you give it to a guy that's been playing running back for twenty years, you give it to a guy that knows what he's doing in those scenarios, that's been in those scenarios before. I'm telling you, uh, over the course of a uh, fifteen to twenty year running back career he's had those situations where he's had to stay in bounds and things like that so I think that Jared Patterson should have been in on that last um carry but overall like it, it I love it I love it shout out to Scott Turner shout out to the running backs all right this is the most I've smiled these last two weeks is the most I've smiled since training camp and, and, and it's good to see that we're playing smash mouth solidified and we and it seems that we're, we're finding an identity we're finding that identity. I don't know if you guys have noticed over the last couple of weeks, but since the beginning of the season with the Tennessee Titans, over the last couple of three or four weeks with Jonathan Taylor, shoot, with us, once you establish the run and have smash mouth football, a lot of these teams now are built to stop passes. So that so the passing offenses and things like that. So they're having a lot of DBs, a lot of corners, and a lot of safeties and smaller linebackers on the field. So that when teams are committed to the run, like we've been over the last couple of weeks, they wear down. You're, you're able to run right down their throat. And that's all that we were doing in the second half yesterday. Sprinkled into a little Heineke magic in, in between. Like, that's a recipe for success. Not letting Taylor Heineke air the ball 40 to 50 times like we were doing early in the season. This is the recipe for success. This is the recipe for success, and this is something that I hope that we are able to withhold throughout the season. Because guess what? I told y'all at the beginning of the episode. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Playoffs? Playoffs? Is, is it time? Playoffs? Let me go ahead and take another sip of my Kool-Aid before I go over to my receivers. Shout out to the receivers. This is a, this is, I feel like I say this every week, and I do say it every week, not that I feel like it, because it's true. Terry McCoy is a stud. Terry McCoy is a stud. Yesterday, he had five receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown, but... Every every catch he has to seem to be impactful. The beautiful back shoulder, the beautiful adjustment he made on the back shoulder, 36-yard completion on the sidelines. He was torching Dante Jackson all night long. Dante Jackson was supposed to be a speedster. Terry McLaurin was running by him all game long. And it seemed to me that all the Carolina Panthers corners had trouble with Terry McLaurin, uh, especially when they were playing in mad coverage. I know a lot of people, I know Stephon Gilmore was on the pitch count and things like that. And I know that he was starting to shadow Terry uh, a lot in the second um, half. 
But in those instances, they started to play zone. It was almost like Carolina was like, yeah, he just we we just not even going to we just not even going to run man against Terry McLaurin anymore. And 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 I understand why y'all was getting lit up. Y'all was getting lit up. Terry McLaurin is a top ten receiver in the NFL. Debate your mother. It's still crazy that he can still be on pace to hit the thirteen hundred yard mark with all the, the the crazy quarterback play that we've had with the subpar. The couple of subpar games he's had with Taylor missing him and things like that. For him to, to be still on pace to almost hitting 1,300 yards is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's simply ridiculous. And it's the reason why you, we got to get this man in the bag. We got to get this man in the bag pronto. I'm seeing guys like Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton getting these extensions and things like that. And they can't hold a candle to Terry. They can't hold a candle to Terry. Speaking of guys that can't hold a candle to Terry... A lot of you guys before this season, oh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, oh, they're better than Terry McLaurin. That's why they're in the top 100. Kiss my ass. No, they're not. No, they are not. And I hope you're finally realizing it. I hope you're finally realizing it. That out of all those guys that's drafted in the 2019 draft class, Terry McLaurin is the best receiver. By far. Yes, I said by far. Because guess what? What you think the numbers would be if Terry McLaurin was playing with Russ for his career? Yeah, no, a lot of us are ready to write Russ off now. Oh, he's washed. Like, he's not playing with a finger injury. No. Terry McLaurin is that dude. Terry McLaurin is better than DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Debate your mother. Debate your mother. Going back to, going on to the other receivers. DeAndre Carter, I'm willing to say it right now. Last week I said it was a toss-up between Charles Leno and you. And it's still, it's still hard, but I'm willing to give it to you as the best offseason signer. Because, boy, you, you got some heart. You got some heart. Guys, do you guys see how DeAndre Carter sticks his head in on every kickoff return? This is a guy that's 5'8", 175 pounds at the most. You guys know I'm at the six skate stadium every home game. This is a guy that's not big at all. And I honestly think that him running that hard and getting whatever yards he can on the kickoff, it sets the tone for the offense. And now he's producing in a Curtis Samuel type role, the role we expected Curtis Samuel to, to be in. This is guy, DeAndre Carter. Did you guys notice how many times he was in motion? Just to disguise a play or the window dress a play? Or to point out man coverage or zone coverage? There were so many times where he was in motion and wasn't even a focal point of the play. And that's because of his versatility. That's because of his versatility. Yes, he had an end around that went for negative yardage, but the fact that he's able to do it and be a threat. And then the route on his touchdown, oh my God, the whip route. Y'all didn't tell me this was this boy was a receiver too, a polished receiver too. This is the guy that's getting better over the season. He was he was an instant contributor on special teams, and now he's filling in in a position where one of your highest paid free agents is likely we expected him to be, where we we likely expected him to be. So DeAndre Carter, you get all the flowers from me, and you deserve all the flowers from the Washington football team community. And and I hope that you're here to stay. I hope that you're here to stay. Because while I do think that you're ultimately better than what we got from Steve Sims um, Jr., he did have these moments in 2019 as well, before he flamed out in 2020. And I think that a lot of that was the result of him drinking his own Kool-Aid, and I don't see that in DeAndre Carter. This is a guy who's humble. This is a guy, you know, he's talked about his brother's stories, making it to the NFL and things like that. You know, this is a guy who 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 went years in college without playing football, who's been cut by numerous teams, but he continues to fight and continues to ball out when he gets his opportunities. 
as I mentioned before, it was it was amazing to see Cam Sims back out on the field. He only had two receptions with 19 yards, but guess what? He had a touchdown. Because a 6'5 receiver is always going to be a red zone threat. A 6'5 receiver is always going to be a red zone threat. So I'm glad that we used him there. And I, and I, and I just love what I, and Cam, I love what I see from Cam Sims because he always seems to make the most of his opportunities as well. Even though a lot of people, and the organization included, seem to write him off and want to take those opportunities away from him. And I still hold true to this, that there's no reason that De'Ami Brown should have been given the wide receiver two reps once Curtis Samuel was deemed to not be healthy as the season started over, Chris, uh, over Cam Sims. Because guess what? Yet another week went by where De'Ami Brown was just out there running around. Just out there running around. Another week went by where De'Ami Brown had no catches, no yards, and did nothing. That boy out there just running around. And I honestly, I honestly think that he doesn't know the playbook. And I said this last week because you see it's sometimes when the quarterbacks pan over to him and they get off of him right away because they're like, oh, he's not supposed to be here. And I think that we're using him we're using him and we're putting him on the field without him knowing all of the playbook because he does have or you guys told me he has a, a, a deep, deep, deep downfield thrill, speed threat uh, that I really haven't seen. Uh, but I think that's why we keep him on the field. But if we're being honest, De'Ami Brown isn't even the best rookie receiver in his draft class. Dax Milne has been more productive in recent weeks than De'Ami Brown. But I'm going to get off De'Ami because guess what? This is a feel-good victory Monday. But we we gotta find something. We gotta find something. We gotta do something about Deami Brown. We have to do something about Deami Brown. But back to a positive note: the offensive line. You guys have been balling out all season. The most underappreciated group on the team. This 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 offensive line group. They have the next man mentality. Next man up mentality for real. For real. You guys have to think. We start. We were supposed to start the season with Charles Leno at, at, at left tackle, Eric Flowers at left guard, Chase Roulier center, Brandon Scherf at right guard, and Samuel Cosme at right tackle. At some point, everybody outside of Charles Leno and Eric Flowers has missed a significant amount of snaps. It happened yesterday. We went through three centers yesterday, and we were still able to play that smash mouth football. And that's all because of the offensive line's mentality. Because we could easily impact it and say, oh, what with us, what with us. Oh, no, no, we're down, we're down. Samuel Cosby went down yesterday. And, and he, I think we just need to sit Samuel Cosby down because it doesn't look like that ankle's right. And he seemed extremely frustrated when he had to go out yesterday. Like, he knows it's not right. But, and, and, but guess what? If Cornelius Lucas continues to come in and balls out like he did, like he did yesterday, we're able to sit Samuel Cosme down. The offensive line is amazing. One of the best groups in the NFL this season. One of the best groups in the NFL this season. And they made the Carolina Panthers, who are, who, who are in the top five overall defensively in a lot of categories. I think they're second in, in the league in sacks. We held them to where they only had three. And I believe that two of them were because Taylor really held the ball too long of those. I think they're the second-ranked offense in overall yardage. We were able to do whatever we want on the ground or in the air. And this is, these are reasons why I'm buying the hype. Because we're doing it against decent teams. 
We're doing it against decent teams. Yeah, yeah. Last week, yeah, the Bucks are a great team. They played horrible. They played horrible. What's your excuse for the Carolina Panthers this week? We played them in a in a in a knockdown dragout game, and we came out the victor. And we came out the victor. Four and six, baby, and I'm drinking the Kool Aid. Playoffs, playoffs. So I want to touch on one more thing. I do want to touch on one more thing. And I mentioned this guy earlier um, because he was at ultimately the recipient of that tremendous fourth down scramble play by Taylor Heineke. And that's John Bates. I think that John Bates has been tremendous filling in um, for all the tight ends. And the tight end room has that next man, max man up mentality that the offensive line room has. You got to think we went through from Logan Thomas to Ricky Seals Jones to now John Bates. And I don't think that's a, it's a coincidence that our run game is getting better with John Bates on the field. He's a tremendous inline blocker. And I actually like him as a motion blocker, um, handling some of those DNs on, on play actions and things like that. I believe that he was able to meet the defender and, you know, move his feet and, and push him and ride him outside of the pocket numerous times. He's a tremendous blocker. He's good at the point of attack. And yesterday, hey, he even showed some sticky hands. So that might have been a hit of a draft pick. That might have been a hit of a draft pick because I'm loving what I'm seeing from John Bates. So that's it for the offense. So let's get back to this defense. Let's get to this defense. The defense, hey, you bought out again. You bought out again. Guess what? Are we starting to look like the defense that everybody hoped that we would be going into the season? I wouldn't go that far yet, but guess what? This is the third straight game where our defense held the opponents under 300 yards. That's hard to do right now in the modern NFL. And guess what the big, biggest reason for that is? You're getting off the field on third downs. You're getting off the field on third downs. You're not having these long drives where your players ultimately get tired. And I think that that was, that was, a, that was a, uh, something that wasn't necessarily talked about earlier in the season that I kind of picked up on. Guys, when you're building your defense around... Um, a defensive line and having all these dominant defensive line players, guess what? When you're having these long drives, those huge defensive linemen, those 300-pound defensive tackles, those 260, 275-pound defensive ends, they get tired. They get tired. So now your most impactful players are your most tired players on the field. So I do think that's why we saw a lot of a lot of non-production from our defensive line early in the season. But guess what? When you're able to get off the field, you got a lot of you got a lot of fresh dogs coming back on that field ready to get another three and out or ready to get another short drive. I felt like our D-tackles, all of them, played amazing yesterday. Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, and John Allen is just John Allen. Like I told you, he's the best defensive tackle in the league in 2021. You can debate whoever you want about that. Don't debate me. I'm not giving you the time of day. He's the best defensive tackle in the NFL in 2021. And another underrated storyline from yesterday. William Jackson III had DJ Moore in solitary confinement after the first quarter. Yes, he gave up the touchdown on a, on a tremendous play from Carolina. I love that play call from Carolina. To open the field up, fake the QB draw. It's almost like a like a jump pass that he threw on the end breaking route. I, I don't blame William Jackson for giving up that touchdown because Cam had just beat us on a long run, 
And Cam is lethal in the red zone. You need as many guys watch or, or our eyes on him as possible. And it wasn't even like he was beat that bad. He was beat by a tremendous play call. But guess what? After that, that boy DJ Moore was locked up. They won't let him out. They won't let him out. Shout out to Akon. That boy DJ Moore was locked up. And it's all due to William Jackson. I think that he's getting more comfortable in the system. And I do think that we're playing more man. I don't think we played as much press man this past week as we did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We saw a lot of DBs and receivers' faces and things like that. That's why they were able to make plays on the ball and things like that. But yesterday, we played a lot of off-man coverage. And I think that William Jackson's ultimately improving in his technique as well. I know it was going to take a matter of time, but you're seeing it. He had a huge pass breakup on fourth down in the fourth quarter. I mean, in the fourth quarter. And this is one of the reasons why, yeah, Cam had a pretty decent game. But guess what? He still threw for under 200 yards. Because he wasn't pushing the ball downfield because he couldn't. He couldn't. Robbie Anderson locked up. DJ Moore locked up. You name it. You name it. I know it seemed like he was, you know, locked in and getting a lot of tunnel vision on Christian McCaffrey. And that is true. That is true. But guess what? Guess what? If Christian McCaffrey and the underneath row is the best option and the only option, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep taking it. And that was the only option that the Washington football team was giving Cam a lot yesterday. A lot. A lot. And I loved it. I loved it. You can tell that we were sticking to the game plan. And I do have a hot take. But it's not a steaming hot take. At all. At all. But I will say this. I think that Casey Tuhill and Jay Smith-Williams are better than Chase Young and Montez Sweat. At staying in their rush lanes. At staying in their rush lanes. By no means are these guys better players individually than Chase Young or Montez Sweat. But these guys, you can see that they understand gap integrity. You can see that they, they were rushing to keep Cam into the pocket and letting their defensive tackles eat yesterday. There were many times where Cam had to step up in the pocket. They were like, and, and, and I also think that a lot of this is coming because of our improved linebacker play. I have to give it up to Landon Collins. You're a pretty decent linebacker, bro. You're a pretty decent linebacker. I know you're stubborn and you still don't want us to call you a linebacker. But, yeah, you're you playing within five, feet, five yards of the line of scrimmage like almost every snap at this point. You're a linebacker, bro. Go ahead and make that Mark Barron transition. You're a linebacker, bro. You're a linebacker in today's NFL. You don't have the speed to play safety anymore. But guess what? You're a pretty good linebacker. And I love what I saw from you yesterday. You've been all over the field as a linebacker. I would beg to say that you're our best linebacker on our roster. But guess what? When you move Brandon Collins to linebacker, you improve not only your linebacker core, but you improved your secondary on the field as well. Because now we have the speed to cover the back end. Now we have our second best player on the defense, as I told you last week, on the field almost every play in Cam Curl. Cam Curl is our second best player on this defense outside of Jonathan Allen. I'll say that one more time. Cam Curl is the second best player on this defense outside of Jonathan Allen. I told you guys that last week, and guess what? He's just proving me even more right this week. And I want to ask you guys a question. How many other NFL safeties are making that play that he made on Christian McCaffrey 
on fourth down in the fourth quarter with Christian McCaffrey having a three-way go at him. If you guys don't know what a three-way go is, that means that when Christian McCaffrey is out running on his route, he can either go left, he can either go right, or he can run past you. But Cam took a guess. He shut off the inside, and he drove hard when Christian McCaffrey broke outside, and he stopped him short of the fourth down, exuding some of those cornerback skills that he had in the University of Arkansas. And guess what? Cam Curl is one of the biggest reasons why I'm drinking this Kool-Aid. Because this is feeling like deja vu. This is really feeling like deja vu because guess what? One of the biggest trends or one of the biggest traits of our deep post, uh, our, our big second half run last year in the second half of the season was the improved play of Cam Curl. And I'm noticing it again. I'm noticing it again. And I wouldn't even call it improved play. This is a guy that should have been on the field from week one and shouldn't come off. Because guess what? He's the second best player on your defense. And this is what confuses me. While I, I do want to, I do want to clap it up for the coaching staff and things like that. I, I, it's it, it, we 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 made leaps and bounds improvement in scheme. Jack Del Rio starting to blitz more and things like that. But like, why wouldn't we? Like, I, Coach Rivera seems like a prideful man and things like that. And I, I don't know if it's because Kyle Smith actually was the guy that brought in Cam Curl. I don't know. But why wouldn't we bring in our best draft pick last year? Our most like our most I wouldn't say our most productive because Chase was our, our best rookie last year. But, you know, ultimately, considering value, considering where he was picked and things like that, our best draft pick in Cam Curl, why do, Why are we trying not to show him off? Why are we not giving this guy who was a worker, giving him everything he earned? That was really confusing me at the beginning of the season. But guess what? It's not a coincidence that once Cam Curl plays more, your defense get better, gets better. Your defense gets better. So hopefully we can continue to ride this. And I'm noticing a lot of trends. I believe that the coaching staff got better during the second half last season. Jack Del Rio started dialing up a lot more exotic blitzes and things like that. And I saw it yesterday. I saw it yesterday. We ran a lot more blitzes. And I don't know if it's because we feel like we need to. Because Chase Young and Montez Sweat aren't in. But we should have been doing this from a jump. Yeah, Chase Young and Montez Sweat are great talents. But they, they shouldn't be expected to be the guy one-on-one -on -one every play. So these are why you implement blitzes and things like that. But I'm on a high right now. I'm on a high of four and six. And yes, I said it. Playoffs. We want to make one game back in that wild card spot, baby. Playoffs, here we come. Playoffs, here we come. Monday night is going to be lit against the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson coming in town. Because they suck right now. They suck right now. So if we if we come out that game coming out five and six, the prospects for the rest of the season are very promising with almost all of our NFC East games to follow. So guess what? We got the Eagles twice. We got the Dallas. We got Dallas twice, and we already spanked the Giants. We're gonna just do that one again. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited. And guess what? I told you guys I was checked out a couple weeks ago. I'm back. I'm back on board. I'm back on board. I am back on board. So thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. If you guys haven't checked out our social media pages, please check out our Instagram. Our handle is at Bleeding BNG. That's B L E E D I N G B N G. Please check out our Twitter. The handle is spelled a tad bit differently. That one is at Bleeding BNG B L E E D I N 
BNG. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. As I mentioned before, if you're watching us on YouTube, please comment, please like, please subscribe. And we're available on all podcast platforms at this point. But if you're watching us or you're listening to us specifically on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. Please leave a rating. Let's finesse these algorithms so that we can get Bleeding BNG pushed up to the top. So when you're looking for everything Washington football team related, Bleeding BNG is the first thing that comes up. If you're you're looking for us on YouTube, you can search Jalen Morgan, Bleeding Burgundy and Gold, or Bleeding BNG. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. We're back. I'm back. Thank you guys for checking in. I can't wait. We're going to be having a preview episode for the Seattle Seahawks coming up. We're going to be pushing out more content. Check out the social media pages for more, more posts, more discussion posts, more updates and things like that. Check in with you guys later. Peace.